we are concluding a 20-week study on the Sermon on the Mount. Come on, clap. Yeah, oh, we're finished. At least clap, we're finished. <laughs> it's been an amazing uh, study, and in fact, um, Matthew 7, or 5 through 7 are the texts that we've been looking at now for these 20-some weeks, and uh, today, one of the things that I wanted to do was to give you an opportunity to give a little bit of feedback to process and talk about some of what you have learned and experienced by our study through the Sermon on the Mount. Now, to be sure, uh, that is taking a risk. Uh, but I promise you, from my standpoint, uh, you will not be embarrassed, you will not be forced to share. Uh, but if you would like to share something, uh, we'll give you opportunity in a few minutes to do that. Uh, so get ready. Uh, you may have received an email from me this week. Let me see your hands real high real quickly if you have. Okay, half of you. The other half don't have email, but I don't believe that's probably true. Probably the other half, we don't have your email address. So if you'd like to be included in some important correspondence that happens periodically, uh, give the office uh, out your email address, write it on a slip of paper, hand it to Pastor Jim or myself, and uh, we'll be glad to put that in so that you could be in uh, that group of people who sometimes are um, communicated with. Uh, so, uh, if you are going to share, and I've given you, I've teed it up a bit, so to speak, in that email, um, some of the themes that we've talked about over 20 weeks, and then some questions to be thinking about. If you're going to share, uh, you might want to keep your comments centered to the Sermon on the Mount, or uh, what you have learned from it, or a testimony that you have related to something that you've integrated into your life from that uh, section of text. So uh, let me give us a, you a brief recap about some of the concepts uh, that I've gone over these past uh, 20 weeks. And I'm not going to give you an exhaustive list, but these are some of the things that I remembered that we dealt with. And the first one was Jesus uh, calls his people to reevaluate uh, their lives in light of the present reality of the kingdom of God. So Jesus went up onto the mountain, and when he was set, he opened his mouth and he said to them, Blessed um, are you, and he went through what we have come to know, the Beatitudes. What he was actually doing there is that uh, a few verses before that, in 4.17, he called those same people... Uh, to change or to reevaluate their lives, or specifically, he said, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Change your mind about how you now see life, how you see God, how, see your, how you see yourself, and begin to embrace the kingdom because the kingdom is right now in your midst. So reevaluation of our life is always a very important thing for us to do. And then Jesus reminds the multitude of their blessedness before God. Those beatitudes were not categorized categories uh, to which they tried to aspire to be spiritual. In fact, Jesus was looking at the crowd and he was seeing them with, through eyes of love and compassion and he was saying to them, you are already blessed because you're in touch with your need. You are already blessed by my Father. Even though you might feel uh, looked down upon, um, isolated, marginalized, 
kicked by the society around you, etc., etc., you are the blessed of my Father because I, the King, am now in your midst and the kingdom of God is as close to the, as the air that you breathe. Uh, so he reminds them of their blessedness and then he said things like, uh, you are the salt of the earth, you are the light of the world. And we talked about salt preserves and light reveals and therefore we're to let our light shine so that people around us would see our Father who is in heaven and give glory uh, to Him. In other words, the light's not for me and it isn't for you. Salt isn't for us. It is to be uh, preserving and revealing the truth of God so that all we need to do is to recognize that the King's in in the house so that He then could um, well reveal Himself even through the likes of us. Isn't that good news? It was sort of, uh, if I would step away, it was sort of a relax your religious fervor that the scribes and the Pharisees are laying upon your neck to perform. It was as if Jesus was saying, just take a deep breath and realize that the King is now at home. That there will come a time in your life when Jesus, myself, I'll go to a cross, I'll pay for your sin, uh, I'll be killed for you and in your place, I will be raised from the dead, I'll go back to my Father, and from that exalted place I will pour out my Spirit, and I am now going to live my life inside of you so that you can just... Take a deep breath and relax. It's the effortless reality of the kingdom of God living uh, itself, if you will, himself in us and through us. And we spent some time talking about how Jesus fulfilled all of the law and all of the prophets. And now our righteousness can exceed the righteousness of the Pharisees and the scribes. They were a pretty religious group, weren't they? And we talked about what that looked like for us to, our righteousness, to exceed that of the scribes and the Pharisees. In fact, the core of that teaching was really around the notion that the kingdom heart, once the king comes and is enthroned in our heart, the king begins to demonstrate what genuine righteousness really is. Genuine righteousness and that reality of the king in us causes us to keep our heart because we're nurturing he's nurturing something in us and we're nurturing his life in us uh, and he then produces the light he produces the salt it's really all about him so jesus was bringing the good news of the kingdom that we can relax and receive all that he has for us and he will accomplish everything he wants to accomplish through us All we do is go, okay, I'm in. I'm on. Do what you want to do in me and through me. So the kingdom heart then expresses kingdom attitudes. And we talked a good bit about, um, you know, therefore, uh, watch not just your outwardness, but watch uh, your anger, your contempt, and your speech. Now, remember, the, the Pharisees were the folks that said, you know, I'm righteous because I've kept the law. And the law said, don't murder. And I haven't murdered. So I'm righteous. 
And Jesus took them back and he always asked a question uh, in the midst of framing his questions and teaching was, how is your heart? Because if your heart is filled with anger and wrath and contempt and evil speech towards somebody, well, guess what? It's just like you have already killed them. Ouch! See, so it's not about our outward righteousness. It's about allowing the King to live His life in us and produce a heart that is in keeping with the King who is at home in that heart. We talked about fantasized desire. You know, lust, whoever looks at a woman in order to lust after her has already uh, committed adultery in his heart. Jesus said, fantasized desire, be aware of it, and allow me to deal with it, men and women, because if you don't, it'll destroy your primary relationships with people and specifically with your, uh, your husband or your wife. He wasn't condemning anybody. He was just saying when the king lives in us, the king begins to uh, demonstrate his attitudes and the way we live uh, by taking control of what we think about, what we look upon, how we interact with people, and uh, that then demonstrates um, the kingdom-heartedness within us. And then we travel to this notion of um, Jesus forbidding us from taking an oath. You know, don't say, well, I, you know, I swear by the gold of the temple. Or I swear by the temple. Or I swear, it's, don't take an oath at all because what that amounts to is actually manipulating people in order to push your point of view. Do you ever see people like that? That manipulate by wanting to push their point of view? Jesus said, don't swear in order to do that. Simply let your yes be yes and your no be no because anything beyond that just comes to evil, meaning you're just pushing your own agenda. You notice how loving Jesus is through this whole discussion of this Sermon on the Mount? He wasn't berating anybody. He did call the scribes and the Pharisees hypocrites five times, but he wasn't berating the crowd that was gathered on the hill. He was just saying, don't be like them. Be like those my Father has called into full participation in His kingdom, and everything's going to be awesome. Uh, so then he said, uh, let God love your enemies through you. Because we all got them, we may as well recognize that God sends his reign from heaven upon both the just and the unjust, and that's how he wants us to treat those who are, quote-unquote, our enemies. Because when the king lives in the heart, the king loves other people through us. So... We looked at these things called acts of righteousness and Jesus said, do your acts of righteousness to be seen by only one person. We live only for the praise of the audience of one who is God. And anytime we do anything uh, in order to be seen, whether that's the examples of Jesus uh, giving our, our, um, our alms or whether it's praying or whether it's fasting, whenever we do any of those kinds of things, in order to be seen by other people, it creates this thing that Jesus called hypocrisy, play acting. And he uses that word, as I mentioned, five different times, and it's not in a good sense. Uh, so doing our acts of righteousness to be seen by God alone disarms that stuff. Who, who cares what other people think? Could you say that with me? 
Who cares what other people think? We're here to serve God. You see, and as soon as we step over that line from caring what other people think and just serving God, everything becomes neutralized. There's big forces that push us and pull us and all those things. God just says, let me be who I am uh, in your midst. And then he said, be careful of securing your life through treasures on earth. That was at least one week that we discussed this thing called mammon, uh, treasures. And he said, be careful that your treasures aren't on the earth where rust destroys and where moth eats holes in it and where thieves break into steel. Uh, but rather secure your life by the only treasure that matters, and that is the treasure that is in heaven. And that's hard for some of us, isn't it? Because we think that our salvation really is built around what's in our safe or what's in our wallet or what we've accumulated. But here's the final neutralizing reality. When you leave this world and when I leave it, everything I've accumulated and tried to secure my life with will be left one place right here. So therefore, be careful that you don't spend all of your time securing your life here on the earth through treasures uh, on the earth. And therefore, Jesus segues into this notion that you have a daddy. Can you imagine? Jesus was looking at You have a father. And the father is better than any of us could ever imagine. So that if, the father, if a son or a daughter asked the father, his father or her father for a piece of bread because you were hungry, do you think an evil father would give them a stone instead? Oh, no. That's exactly how your Father in the heavens is with you. Therefore, when you ask, when you seek, when you knock, you can expect your dad to answer you. Because he's better than any of us think we are. And he always has good things in store for us. Jesus said, be careful of the narrow way, the confining way. Because there is a way that leads to life, and it's narrow, and it's confining by the, the uh, implications of how the flesh may want to go. Uh, but that way, our way, never leads to life. The narrow way, the confining way, Jesus' way, is the only thing that will lead to life. And then he said, be careful of false prophets. Uh, the only way you can know them is by their fruit. They'll look the same, they'll talk the same, they'll act the same, but you're going to be able to tell by looking at the quality of their life. Now, Jesus didn't stop there. This wasn't about alleging anything toward false prophets. It was really about pay attention to your own life and the fruit in your life, lest you be one. How's your fruit is really the question that he's asking. And you can know something about the fruit in your life by evaluating it. Now, in the email, I listed eight or ten questions for you to think about. Knowing that not all of you would have received that email, let me give you four or five of them, and then we'll open the floor to share here for uh, 15 or 20 minutes as the Lord uh, would lead. Uh, what impact did you personally about the words of Jesus through the study of the Sermon on the Mount? 
Now, right now, that's a rhetorical question, but some of you might want to think about that if you've not had the opportunity to do that. What impacted you personally about the words of Jesus? Um, How have his words led to change of attitude or behavior? Now, remember where Jesus ended the Sermon on the Mount at the very end of Matthew chapter 7? He said, not all that say to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will. Because there will be people who hear these sayings of mine, he said, and will do them, and they'll be like people that built their house upon rock. And there will also be people who will hear these sayings of mine. Yep, 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 those are awesome sayings. But they won't do the first one. And he said, those are people who are therefore building their house as if it were on sinking sand. And when the rains come, and they will, and when the floods emerge, and they will, when the wind blows, and it will, the house will fall, and great will be the fall. So that it would be incumbent upon us to take time as family to talk about some of the ways that you have uh, personally been impacted by the words of Jesus and what changes of attitude or behavior could you share with your friends, your brothers and your sisters, your family members about how that's impacted you? And then a third question, has your understanding of the kingdom of God expanded since your study of the Sermon on the Mount? If so, how? That's what we're looking for. And then a fourth question might be, have others commented on your light uh, shining through your actions or your attitudes. Example might be, you know, you realize the words of Jesus were different than how you have been living with a relationship, maybe a son or a daughter, and you realize you've been wrong, and God said you need to go back and ask her forgiveness or whatever, blah, 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 and you took the step across the chicken line and said, I'm going to do this thing, I'm just going to obey God and trust Him for the results, and you did something like that, and uh, it was amazing what happened. You know, your son was in tears or whatever, That's what we want to share, those kinds of things. And maybe there's a final one. Um, What are you doing differently because having read and spent some time in the Sermon on the Mount? That was fodder for you to be thinking about. Conceptually, what we talked about for 20 weeks. And then some questions that we're going to give you opportunity to um, answer for those who will be listening here. Um, there are a couple of people. Uh, Judd, are you around? You're in the back already. Two brothers, and they have two microphones. Pastor Jim has one here as well. If you would like to share uh, personally, you know, kind of keep them brief so we can have a lot of people who may want to share be able to share. Uh, doesn't need to be profound, and there's nothing you could say that would be wrong. Well, maybe there is, but, but you know... <laughs> Probably not, but we won't embarrass you. We'll be tender and loving. So uh, who would like to be first? Mike Escalante. Someone bring this man a microphone. Share us with us something along the line that I teed up for you. I keep thinking about... this on? Can you hear me? <clears throat> I keep thinking about the difference between doing something for the Lord work and listening to what his will is now if you do his will you're listening to him and you're building a relationship 
if you're just doing work, you're offering something to him. But it doesn't engage the relationship. And I think it's brought to my mind the ten virgins, the foolish and the wise. Uh, the foolish were left behind, and the Lord said, I don't know you. And this, the difference between doing work for the Lord and obeying his will really clears something up for me. Appreciate it, Michael. Someone else? Yes. I tell you, the thing that, that hit me was this Sunday, uh, I guess Cynthia talked about uh, her appointment in room 219. You still remember and, that. Yeah. I mean, that, that hit me because you had, you, had, you had called it strategic divine placement. And I thought about that because, you know. Sounds like something I call it. <laughs> so, but, um, no, because we all have our own ideas about how God's going to use us. And, and, and we all have our ideas. And what that made me realize is that we need to be more open to God's ideas and not ours. And he's going to use us in ways that we have no idea. Uh, in the last week, I had two different people in two different places, two different times and situations that I didn't even know. Uh, but apparently, they'd been watching me. And both of them said the same thing to me. They said, you're always so happy. And I said, well, no, actually, I'm not. I said, because there's a difference. I said, happiness comes and goes. What I have is the joy of Jesus, and that's permanent. And so I got a chance to share with, with each of those guys a little bit, and that was not something I was looking for. It was just a, a Room 219 experience. So. And also, see, that's, that's letting your light shine before men, you know, people, so that they see your good works. Okay, work. No, you're just Jesus in you. And they go, what is that? That's all God's asking for us. It's effortless if we'll just allow Him to be seen. Someone else? Pastor Steve, I, I may pick up on uh, something that Jerry said. Um, the difference between um, Jesus talking about blessedness and happiness, like Jerry was saying, um, they're not the same. And uh, I, I've, I really felt like I was reminded that Happiness really depends on happenings, and the world is always pushing happenings, happenings. You've got to do something. You, know, you almost get frantic if you're not kind of doing something and, and trying to make yourself happy or something. Jesus is talking about something so much deeper, blessedness, and it doesn't come from the outside in. It comes from the inside out. That blessedness comes from something deep in our soul and it's always paradoxical spiritual truths They're, they yeah. don't you really have to think about them they're worth meditating on because uh, they really root and ground you in a blessedness not just happenings uh, and those happenings according to the beatitudes begin with our heart being right if something's going wrong on the outside we ought to ask ourselves you know, what's really going on on the inside? Because if it's not right on the inside, we can ruin the best circumstances. We can have all the money we can, and ruin it if we're not right on the inside. So that's something I, I you know, am learning is 
when things are going wrong with my family or you know, I'm, not, I'm discontent or unhappy, I really, rather than trying to fix the outside, I really have got to begin on the inside. I've got to be rightly related. That's where it all begins. It, we need the microphone. We, we need it. You may not okay. believe it. <laughs> I think that this um, series has been really special and for me. Um, at this point right now, things that are going on in my life, um, about a month or so, it's, it's, I'm under an enormous amount of stress. And um, I have really been trying not to miss these sermons and coming. And I've really found myself applying these more than I ever have before. Um, there's been... Meetings that I've been in that um, I have gotten angry. I've seen myself want to push my, you know, I want I want this told, you know, about me and everything. And I've had to back down and trust people that um, this has been very hard for me. I'm a very much do-everything-yourself person, get it done. It'll be done right if you do it. And so I've had to, like, just give my life practically to these people and trust them. And through that, there has been anger, there's been frustration, but I am, I'm going back and now there's this voice that is really speaking to me and I can see a change in my heart, I can see a change in my life, I'm trusting more, I'm trusting God more, that no matter what the outcome is, I am really at peace. And I was able to share this and some of these people that I'm actually sharing this with before the outcome of what's going to happen... I said, I'm not going to wait for the outcome. I'm going to go ahead and tell them what a blessing they've been in my life. So yesterday I wrote to them, and I, and I spoke to them, and I said, no matter what the outcome, God has blessed me with this, and I'll be okay, and I want him to bless you because what you've shown me. So I just appreciate it. I think a heart change has happened in me. Um, I think that I'm listening more. I know that I have... Um, desired to get more in the word at night i'm i'm in the word more i'm not falling asleep before i'm supposed to when i'm reading the word and it's just there's just a closeness and i appreciate it i've really felt a heart change thank you thank you terry bob uh 50 years of my life has been in business in the business world and uh I tried to put the perspective in the right words for me to understand better. And I came to the conclusion that God is the CEO of his kingdom. And this, the kingdom of God is God's way of doing business here on earth. And when I, once I grabbed that handle, then I was able to apply all of his values into my business life. And that's helped me out a lot. That's real good. <laughs> Thank you. Somebody else. A couple can put uh, your hands up at the same time so we can get a couple mics to other people. So feel free to do that. Yeah, Lisa. Um, one of your sermons encouraged me to step across that chicken line. And I came up and I spoke to you one Sunday and you prayed with me. And the struggles that I was having, I had shared with my sister and just a few people, including my wonderful spouse who sits next to me. And that made such a huge difference. You know, 
many of us have known the Lord for a long time. Many of us have read our Bibles frequently or infrequently, but many of, the, of us have read a lot of the words of Christ. But it is the stepping across that chicken line of applying it that is really the most revelational and life-changing. So for me, this sermon on, on many levels helped me to understand the Gospels better. But just that one act of, of stepping across that chicken line um, has led me to many other acts of stepping across the chicken line. And uh, that has been a wonderful thing. So I, I can't say that tons of people around me are commenting on it, but I know the difference it's made in my heart and even in my, in my life and my marriage. So I just encourage people to do that. Thank you. Yeah, well said. We're all chicken, you know? I mean, when it comes to new things and what will I embarrass myself or say the wrong thing? And I think the Lord just says, do it afraid. Who was who that gal? Joyce Meyer. Joyce Meyer. Yeah, battle, ground, Battlefield of the Mind, I think. She's, you know, she was talking about being afraid. I'm afraid all the time. But she's learned the principle of just do what God says, even doing it afraid. That's stepping across the line. Yeah, thank you. Someone else? Got time for maybe a few more, if there are a few more. Don't be chicken. <laughs> Anybody up in the balcony? We can get a microphone to you, by the way. So, anybody else? I think the the thing I've recognized through this whole process is that Jesus was talking about all these things that, you know, uh, he was, it sounds like looking in from the outside, he's telling us what to do. But I think that he's told me that this is how he already sees me. He already sees me doing these things, you know, and and that he's there doing it for me, like all these all these things. I mean, just the the anxiety and and the anger and being the salt and the light, and he already sees me as salt and light, you know. And when I recognize that. I already am that, and it helps me to manifest that in in this world. You know, that's that's what. I'm... That's that's really huge. That's what I think it's Romans four, the God who calls those things that are not as though they were. That's what He does with each one of us. This is love, not that we love God, but that He first loved us and gave himself for the covering of our sin, the propitiation, the means, so that we could enter in to what, uh, how he already sees us, men and women, sons and daughters of the king. That's great, Kyle. Thank you so much. That was great. Anybody else? Time for one more. Right back there, Linda. 
I'm a chicken. <laughs> That's okay. You're doing it a chicken. Yeah. There have been multiple um, lessons that I've been learning through this. The first one, at the very beginning, um, explaining that the righteousness that exceeds the Pharisees was a heart change. I'd studied this ever since I've been a new believer, and it always seemed like, what more can I do? And to find out that it's not a doing, it's a being. And then um, the whole about not being anxious, uh, just situations in our family life that I just had to uh, take those words and implant them in my heart not to fear. And it um, just came alive through these messages. And then the another one that hit me was the second, you know, take the plank out of your eye. Um, one of my relationships, uh, I kept trying to fix this person and instead of just loving them. So it just really hit me that Sunday you preached that I needed to stop trying to fix and just love them. And it's changed the dynamics of that relationship. So there's been a lot that I've taken out of this series, but those are the three top ones. Thank you. Thank you, Linda. This lady is deep water, by the way. She uh, may not speak all the time, but she certainly is and has been a champion and a prayer warrior and et cetera. So, uh, Dean, why don't you come and uh, we'll close with a song here. If there's one more, we'll give you the opportunity. Otherwise, we'll uh, go ahead and move toward going out. David Goza, last one, brother. Right behind you. Hang on. Oh, excuse me. The Word of God tells us that... Uh, Blessed are those that hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. What is the word really saying there? It's saying that these are people that are desperate to do things the way God wants them done. And something is concerning me now, right now, very deeply for our nation right now. You see, we're, we're under a lot of the attack of the enemy, and I believe this next year is going to be very, very make or break for our, our whole nation. And what's God's way of handling this? Well, he's, we know that Pastor Steve has told us and others have told us that, you know, if my people that are called by my name, you know the verse, you know, shall humble themselves. It's taught, this is how God goes. This is how God opens a door. We have to, God's saying, you have to open a door so that I can inter, intervene. And he's not calling to the heathen to do that because they don't even know him. But he's calling to us. So those of you that hunger and thirst after righteousness, do it. we want to do it God's way. God's way is what? Cry out to Him. Cry out for our nation. Cry out for our leaders. God, forgive us. Lord, we repent to You. Even as all the prophets, you know the prophets, they'd be, they'd be crying out for Israel. You know, Lord, forgive us. We have done this and we've done this. That's how we all have to be doing this, this year. This year, starting today. Make it, make it a point to every time you go into your prayer closet. And we should go into our prayer closet. We should spend time with God every day. You grow close to Him. Power comes into your life through the Holy Spirit. But authority comes into your life by spending time with God. Staying close to Him. Authority comes into your life. And I want to encourage all of you. All of you. Let's get closer to God. Let's spend time with Him every day. Let's call out for our nation. 
Things will change. God will intervene. The angels will come about. But we have to do it. It's up to the churches. Those are the ones that God's talking to. Those are the, it's us that he's holding us for the whole, all of creation cries and moans for the manifestation the of God's God. children. Praise God. Thank you, David. For the men of God. Thank you. Let's stand. And... It is a time for heroic prayer. Uh, we've been doing something differently on Wednesday nights where we've just been kicking some basking music or soaking music and just enjoy the presence of the Lord, allowing Him to speak in quiet places. And we invite you to do that. But a reminder that you're doing it on your own uh, for the next two Wednesdays because next Wednesday we actually begin the Power and Love Conference. It's a time of heroic prayer and action, and that's going to be over at Global River. Seven of us, churches, including ourselves, will be sponsoring this. I've known uh, um, Rotolo for the, the, the actual, the one who began the ministry, Tom Rotolo, for 25 years. He's an amazing man. You will be blessed to be a part of any of that. If you're going to attend the whole conference, you need to be signed up, and there's a fee. You can do it at powerandlove.org or for four evenings, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, they're open to the public. And they're free of charge if you just want to come and listen a little bit and hear what they have to say. Finally, uh, the next Wednesday night, we won't be in here because that's the Wednesday before Thanksgiving. And we'll be carving turkey, etc. down at the Fellowship Hall. So, time for heroic prayer, but it won't be here the next two Wednesday nights. <laughs> next steps immediately following our time here uh, right now. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your mercies that you show toward us. Lord, your your love and grace is renewed to us every morning. Father, thank you that in the fullness of time you sent your Son, not only to redeem us unto yourself, but to ultimately live his life in us and through us. Lord, would you encourage each one here today? Would you fill us afresh with your Spirit? Would you cause us to let your light shine before men so that they would see our good works, but more importantly, to see uh, our Father who is in heaven. Lord, bless them and keep them and make your face to shine upon them. And everybody said together, amen. If you'd like special prayer, there'll be some up here to pray for you. Feel free to slip out or let's worship together as we close.